Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. So, um, small groups. Pastor, what are you doing? What, what are you guys going to do? Okay. Okay. So Paul's epistles. And eat. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And fellowship and learn while we eat and fellowship and 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 learn and learn and eat. Yeah. Yeah. And eat. And eat. Well, you know, Jesus did more eating than he did preaching. Okay. I, I defy you to make me wrong. Okay. So look in your word and see if I'm wrong on that. He did more eating around the table and building relationships than he did preaching sermons. So what do we take? What's our takeaway from that? Anybody hungry? <laughs> okay. It's, it's lunch? Yeah, we eat. We eat. Yeah. Maybe that's why the church is so good with all the the food. Maybe that's why we're so good at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Right? Yeah, because everybody knows Chick Fil A is is the best, right? No, no, that's God's chicken. That's right. That's yeah. That's good. It was said from the back. Yeah, yeah. Thank y'all for sit coming and sitting over here because we were leaning to this side really bad today. For some, isn't it funny how everybody just yeah. So our small group is going to be doing the Book of Daniel. We've got uh, 12 chapters, so we're going to do two chapters tonight. So we invite you to come to that. Let me do a poll real quick, okay? We're already taking up the offering, so just unclench there, okay? Just, how many of you grew up in church? Let's just, come on, okay? How many, well, kind of. <laughs> you went to, <laughs> yeah, you went to church when it mattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we're, we're, yeah, I'm not going to go into all your depravity and then how God saved you out of the pit. Yeah, <laughs> you have to come back another in two more months when I get to speak again, uh, maybe. Uh, so, so how many of y'all, when you went to church, you did Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Go ahead, raise your hand. Oh, see, some of y'all are going, I don't know where he's going. Yeah, no, we're not starting on Sunday night. I don't know. I may be speaking prophetically. We're not going to Sunday night service or, okay. No, so don't worry. No, okay. So, so we went, so how many of you went when you had revival? I mean, at least, at least 70% of the time. Okay. So it was Monday. Remember the days when it was Monday through, uh, Sunday through Sunday and you went every day, including Friday night, which messes up your social life. Right, and then you had Saturday off to recuperate to come back Sunday morning. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. I know that that, that we've shifted here, but six weeks and an hour to hour and a half of your time extra out of your week is that really a lot out of your schedule? For those of us who the majority were that you were used to going Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night that you can't give up six weeks and we don't take roles so you can miss one. Okay, there's no points here, all right? That you can come, because see, I believe that if you'll come the first class or two, you'll be so enthralled in the study because it's discussion and we're eating and we're fellowshipping and we're studying and learning the Word of God and we're eating if you bring it. So my challenge to you today is not don't come hear us. Come help us to learn. Come help us study because we throw questions down. We get we everybody's opinion matters. What you're thinking matters because that's who you are. It shows us some insight of where you come from or where you live. So I want to challenge you. Can I tell you today that? This small group would even be good for young people because there's only two of y'all here. <laughs> y'all are it. Yeah, yeah. She won't look at me in the eye. She really will not look at me in the eye. 
So I send a video. We're we're babysitting our grand dog for a year because our son, you know, is in the military and they're in uh, Korea, South Korea. And so we're babysitting the dog. So I have to take videos every once in a while so they know that I'm taking care of the dog, I guess. And uh, he's okay. And so last night, he's just got, he's just filling his oats. I'm trying to watch football and I don't know what he's wanting, but he won't tell me. It's kind of almost like, Susan, you think I'd be used to this. What do you want? You know, because he's all happy and he's all just fired up. And I'm going, what do you want? And he just stops and he won't look at me. He just kept turning from me. What in the, I said, do you want to go outside? Are you hungry? So I just, uh, whatever. So I start watching TV again. And then he's all in my face. He's throwing his little stuffed animals, you know, the squeaker toys. He disembowels all of them and just the squeakers in one place. Anyway. She won't look at me. <laughs> just, that's what reminded me of that. I just thought I'd share that with you. Yeah. So can I just go ahead and challenge you and put it out there? Okay. Theirs is Friday night. Ours is at 6 o'clock Sunday. Most of you don't have anything else to do on Sunday night because you're used to going to church, and now you're not. And so what do I do with all my free time? And we drive further than almost maybe all of you, except for those of you that live on the other side of the state. Yeah. So let me just challenge you. It's six weeks. And just try it out. Come help me learn about Daniel. He does some incredible stuff happens in Daniel. And I believe that those principles that, that Paul has, we kind of, I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament. So what he's got to say is probably pretty, pretty good stuff. So I want to challenge you to come. Sign up on the sheet back there. Uh, if you sign up and something happens and you have to change, um, you know, uh, Rinkum will do the follow-up on that. <laughs> Open your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel se- chapter 17. God was dealing with me on some stuff, and then pastor goes, hey, I want you to preach again. <laughs> and I'm going, man, I knew that God was working something up in me. So again, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Um, I believe God's got something for us today. If you will be willing to open your heart to the possibilities that God wants to say something to you this morning. Can't make you drink and pour it on you, but you can keep your mouth shut and not inhale it. But it won't do anybody any good. It won't do you any good unless you are willing to open your mouth and receive it this morning. Father God, we just I want to stop right now and just once again, thank you. We're grateful for your presence. We're thankful today, God, that that you do want to be with us. You said we're two or three or more gathered, God. Our pastor already said that this morning. God, you promised to be right in the middle. You want to be in the middle of our lives today. So, Father, right now, I just pray that you would just be with us today. Lord, sit right next to us. Put your arm around some of us that need it this morning. Thump some of us that need to stay awake this morning in the back of the head. God, just encourage us today, God, that you have a specific word somehow, some way through your message today. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17. I love the account of David and Goliath. And it's not just because I'm short. Okay, I love the account of David and Goliath because it's the little guy versus the big guy. Of course, we already know that the little guy wins. Okay, I, I love teams that aren't that aren't even nobody's even thinking of. Nobody knows how to pronounce the, the city that they're from, but they they beat or almost beat the number one team. Okay, they they beat somebody who's who's expected to just roll over them, and then the little guy gives them a run for their money. Come on. Everybody likes the little guy coming out on top. Okay, well, there's two of us. Me and me and Susan love that. Okay, the little guy versus the big guy. The improbable versus the impossible. When it's so much bigger than you and me. Look, if you can do life yourself, you don't need God. I got to tell you how many people wanted to face me, man, in, in the pastor. You know, well, I don't need God. I said, dude, I'm just here to tell you, Jesus can make life better. If you can do life and you're doing life so good without him, then yeah, absolutely. Just scratch it off your list. But if you're doing so perfect, why don't you write a book and tell the rest of us how good you're doing? Okay. 
If you're doing so good and you don't need Jesus, then, then, then live that. Nobody's trying to force you to do anything. But I'm telling you, if you want more hope, if you want the opportunity of life being better, I'm telling you, Jesus may be that option you're looking for. I mean, the great thing about the story of David and Goliath is you literally have a giant of a man who is built for war. He's built to fight. Then you've got this scrawny teenager who's done nothing more than just keep sheep for the family. I mean, he's the one they didn't even think of. Remember when he was anointed as king? He's a teenager. The dad didn't even think enough of him to call him in from from the field that they had to wait on him. I mean, nobody thought of David. One who risked his life for fame, fortune, and glory, and the other one risked his life for his family and his flocks. One who is confident in his own abilities, and the other who depends on his faith and knowledge that his God has a story that's written for him. That if God doesn't do it, I can't do it anyway. So let me set the stage for you here in chapter uh, 17. You have the Philistines camp on one side of the ridge, Philistines over here. And then you have the Israelite camp over here. And in the middle, you've got the valley. I mean, this is made for TV movie right here, right? I mean, you've got them here. You've got them here. Everybody can see and hear. The acoustics are great because for 40 days, the giant comes down and he challenges Israel. For every day, says at noon, so it must have been around a lunch and dinner thing. It must be around food again. Okay, so at noon and then in the evening, he would Goliath would come down and he would challenge them. And really, this is very smart if you think about it. I don't, I don't know how many men, I don't care. Okay, but let's just say if there were 50,000 men on this mountaintop and 50,000 on this one, about 30,000 are going to die when they go to battle. So Goliath, hey, I'm the, I'm the champion here. You bring your champion and the two of us fight. So therefore, only one dies for everybody. And then if, if you win, we'll serve you. But since I'm going to win, then you serve me. Okay, basically the attitude, right? I don't know that's genius to me because that just saved 29,000 lives. Doesn't that, isn't that just logical and it makes sense? So every day Goliath goes down and he makes this charge, makes this challenge, and yet not one man in Israel rises to the challenge. Not one man. We were just talking about somebody went to a concert and they were talking about just a secular concert about looking around and seeing five 500 people just singing these songs and cheering it. You watch Tennessee with 102,000 people standing to their feet. These stupid people won't sit down on the seat that they paid for so that us people who can't see over them has to stand up or I can't see the game. And they stand to their feet almost the whole time. Why? Because they are rooting on their team. What would the church look like today if we came in and we didn't have chairs because we couldn't sit down in the presence of God? Because we're either standing and cheering or we're kneeling down on our face worshiping him. What would the church look like today? Don't worry, pastor's not taking the chairs out. And the air conditioners work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a little heat wouldn't be bad either. For us that are getting older. So yeah. Yeah, you're always cold, so that doesn't count. So let's pick it up in verse 41, chapter 17, and here we go. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over, and he saw that he was only a boy ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. In other words, he was insulted. How in the world, you brought this kid to fight me? Verse 43, he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, oh, me, I got you, man. It didn't, okay, maybe he didn't. I just imagine a teenager not saying what he just, proper here. Uh Uh-uh. Verse 45. 
You come against me with a sword and spear and a javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it that it is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. That's a pretty bold statement. I mean, this kid just didn't stop. Like, shut up, right? Dude, you're like overloading here. But he kept on. And what he was speaking was prophetic. How did he know he was going to cut his head off? He didn't even have a sword. Holy Spirit got a hold of him. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward this ba- the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bed excuse me, his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Verse 51, David ran and he stood over him because he was so big he had to get on top of him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and he drew it from the scabbard After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the road to Gath and Ekron. Man, there's a lot to chew on there. Hang on, we're going to try to get all the juice out of it. We look at David and just think he had it all together. He was a teenager. What teenager do you know has anything together? He's just trying to figure out life and how to survive high school. Social suicide, right? David wasn't without his test to prepare for this moment. He was the baby of seven brothers. Do I need to say any more? Everybody understand that? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody got siblings? Y'all are so scared of raising your hand. <laughs> yeah. How, how many of you are the baby? Any babies in here? How many of you are the baby? Was it rough at your household? Oh, you were the queen. Don't even get me that started on that one. No, no. So David was the baby of seven, seven brothers. He killed both a lion and a bear that attacked his flock. Look at verse 34 and 37 here. So David said uh, to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. Okay, what do we know about if a lion and a bear come? What do they tell us on the news? If a bear comes up to you, what do you do? Go the other way, (laughs) right? Yeah, okay. Somebody smart said, you just lay on the ground and act dead. All right, what idiot's going to do that? Come on and raise your hand. (laughs) Come on, man. You know, come on, it's the thing of what do you, why are you tying your shoes? Uh, you're, you know, you're not, you're, the bear's going to get you. No, I just have to outrun you, right? Right? Yeah. And so what does he say here? He said, um, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. Maybe we need to start putting, you know, projecting what on the the lion and the bear, what we've defeated onto what needs to be defeated in our lives said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Do you get what he said here? The lion and the bear took his sheep and he hit them in the back of the head with a rock, which ticked them off. They dropped the lamb or the sheep, which means what? Their mouth is open. Okay, they let go of it, and how are they coming after? <laughs> That's right. Some of us are just cowards. I'm going to scream, I'm going to yell. He hit it in the back of the head, and then the word, the account says, he went after it. 
said he grabbed him by the beard. Now, let me just logically say, where's the beard? Really close to the teeth. What's the problem with the teeth? <laughs> they could hurt you really bad. They could hurt you bad. Randy loves to wrestle. That's my grand dog. He loves to wrestle. But the problem, and he's got a terrier mouth, which means it doesn't open like that. It opens like that, right? Everybody get that? Any dog people in here? No? Cat people? You can be safe too. Okay, so, <laughs> just kidding. I don't like any of them. And uh, so anyway, so he opens up like this. Well, everywhere I put my hand, his jaw goes there. His eyes go over there because he's, he's trying to fake me out. Man, his teeth are hard. I've got little scratches here not because he got me because I'm slow. The teeth are right here. That's not the end of the bear or the line that we want to be on. But he says here, he tried to take what is mine, what I am responsible for. And he said, I got its attention to let go of what it had. And I went after it. David went after it. And it said, I killed it. I killed it. The tests that sometimes you and I go through are not to see if we're paying attention now. It's to prepare us for something later. He was confident in what the Spirit had already placed in his heart to take Goliath out because God had already prepared him with a bear and a lion. Whatever you may be going through today, maybe God's preparing you for what you're fixing to face what you were about to, because if you can survive this, you can survive that. If you can be victorious over this, then the possibilities of your mind thinking I can be victorious over that goes way up. So here's several things that I, I want us to get today. Number one, David did what he did for the glory of God. There's nowhere in here that David doesn't talk about God first. He didn't talk about the lion and the bear like, look what I did. He said, look what God did for me. God delivered me from the lion and the bear. Do you see the difference? He didn't say, look at these scars. See, what that's from the bear. That's from the lion. Do you see that? That's what I did. No, what did he do? He said, God delivered me from. That's what he started with. That's what he started with. It was more important for God to receive glory than you and me for our inconvenience. That would hurt my feelings to type that. But I believe the Spirit not only gave that to me, <laughs> I want Susan to talk because number one, I really do want to see God get the glory. Okay, we went through all the speech therapies and all the other therapies that they got, okay? But I kept telling God, you need to hurry up and heal her now because they're going to try to take the credit for it. Now, after almost 20 years, there's no way God can't get the credit for this because there's got to be all this rewiring and all this redoing and stuff, right? But I'll be honest with you, it is terribly inconvenient at my house. <laughs> that says enough. Everybody gets that, right? If I hear the word, hey, hey, anymore, it'll be enough. Hey, I go, what? And then that, sits down a rail trail. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Notice verses 38 through 40 here. Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him. Am I getting ahead of myself? Nah. Uh, David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, David said to Saul because I'm not used to them. So he took them off and he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag with a sling in his hand and he approached the Philistine. Throw your foot up there. Can, how, how high can you lift your leg? What size shoe do you wear? Okay, I can't wear a 14. Okay. <laughs> okay. I can slalom in one of his 14s, all right, with both of my feet in there. But I... I would look ridiculous trying to wear his shoes. I'd be shuffling my feet, okay, trying to stay up. You see the problem here. 
So you and I try to do, well, if, if pastor did this last week, let's do like pastor does. Look, there, you can't wear his clothes. You can't, you can't live through his experiences. You can let those experiences encourage you and challenge you, but you can't use his experiences to get your own. You got to have your own experiences. He couldn't wear Saul's armor. He didn't test his armor. His armor wouldn't fit. What did he do? He went to what he had already tested because he used a stick to whack the lion in the head to make him drop the sheep. He used the stone to what to shoot it, to throw it at the, at the bear to let go of the sheep. He grabbed what he was used to grabbing. Saul was giving David his armor to wear, his equipment to fight with, but Saul's way didn't fit David's style. You have to face your giants, not from somebody else's experiences, but you need to have your own God experiences. Somebody asked me why David really messed up a lot and messed up bad. In fact, he probably wouldn't have been the things he did to mess up would have never been allowed to be in the assemblies of God. And yet God, all throughout, kept calling him man after my own heart. And I wonder why. It's because he did. More times than not, he put God first. Go back. I challenge you. David did what he did for the glory of God. Here's another one. You got to face your giants head on. Now, when, when the enemy's coming towards you, fight or flight, <laughs> okay, all right? I'm not running away. I'm trying to get in a better position. Chicken. 48 and 49. As the Philistine moved closer to attack David, he ran to- quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it. He struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. We had a, a, an evangelist come, and he was a history guy. And so he did a history on, on armor, and he knew all kind of about uh, the, like, uh, weapons of the day and that kind of thing. And he talked about the armor that the Philistines wore and he, and he had pictures. And he said, most likely the type of armor that he would have had looked like this. He goes, I wasn't there. And, and so I don't know. And he said, but the pictures and the studying that I've done, it would look something like this. And that the helmet, the helmet, the helmet's supposed to what protect your head, right? So it's low enough that it protects your forehead because that's a pretty dangerous spot. You don't get hit right there. But it was high enough that you could see. Some of them would have a nose piece or it would come around to protect the face. Regardless, David threw a rock while the enemy's coming, Goliath's coming toward him. He's running toward him and he's slinging a rock. Now, some of you think you're great shots. <laughs> yeah, And we're always better in our own mind. Okay, but he's running toward him and I don't care how good you are in the heat of it, man, and your adrenaline is flowing. He lets it go and the word said that it hit him in the forehead and it sunk in. It killed him. The rock killed him. The cutting off his head, I mean, it, it, it finished it. But it said he fell down dead. He was dead because of the rock. And I don't care how good you think you are, but in the heat of the moment, nobody's accurate. Now, in the movie, yeah, the arrow splits the arrow, and, you know, we just think they're just awesome. But the reality is, when adrenaline's flowing, man, and the Word says, and this evangelist was talking about, that it had to be so many centimeters or so many, so many inches that was only available. Even if he wore his hat like the teenagers today, like leaning on the back of their head, you know what I'm saying? Even if he didn't have one, for it to hit him in the forehead at the point that would kill him, because most of us are hard-headed enough. We've been hit so many times. Come on. To hit the right spot in the right way in the right moment has to be the Holy Spirit goes, I got this right. Boom. Right into it, man. It just kind of took his thumb and a little further. Just to make sure everybody saw it. 
You have to face your giant. Look what he did. He ran toward him. What's it take for you and me to get so tired, to be sick and tired of being sick and tired that we just stand up and we just run toward it? I can't preach it, but I love I love the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, and they're just waiting. They're just waiting for the enemy to do something, that then I can do something. He says, no, we're going to go after them. And he says, what are we going to do? We're going to climb up this cliff. And what are we going to do when we get there? I don't know. When we get there, we're just going to attack. And he goes, you know, there's like 30-something thousand men, and there's just two of us. And he goes, I know. Let's see what God's going to do. Man, you know, you could do that with an attitude, right? With the right God attitude, there's nothing that this church can't do. There's nothing that God won't do through us. Don't you think he's just waiting for somebody? And that's why he just gets some snot-nosed teenager who just who sleeps more than he does anything else and eats all the time. And he says, I'm going to do something through him. Watch what I do. Just about every leadership conference that I've been to where they talk about issues of conflict, they all say that the longer you wait to address the conflict, the more it grows. Is that true? Something happens and you decide to wait on it. Or Susan calls it procrastination on my part. I call it waiting for an edge. <laughs> and usually the small things become big things when they should have never been able to grow in the first place. Come on, everybody's got that weed that we just don't go get because it's not convenient. And next thing you know, it's, it's taller than the bushes. Where'd that tree come from? And it's not a tree, it's a weed. Let me challenge you today. If you got stuff going on in your life, talk to someone that you trust. Look at your giant in the light, in God's light. As, uh, when you said that today, I, I started to start with this because in a devotion I read this week, it says, don't view God in the light of your problem. View your problem in the light of God. That's good. I put that stuff on Facebook because people think, ooh, he is so insightful. <laughs> Quit viewing your problem like it's bigger than God and start going, okay, God, here's, here's my problem. Now let me take my God light and shine it on the problem. We get that? Come on, most of the times we get so worked up and, and get an ulcer because we're viewing it in the wrong light. You got to face your giant head on. Here's another one. You got to cut off the head of your problem. I know some of you are squeamish, but sometimes there's got to be blood. No, you all know Gene Jackson, but he was the superintendent here like since Moses. And uh, he was an awesome man. And, and I know as a, as a young minister and youth minister man, he stood up in, in, in a district meeting once and he said, you know, there are just days when sometimes you just, I love to go home after a board meeting or after a meeting with a bunch of pastors. I like to go home, watch a Western and see somebody get shot. <laughs> that deserves to be shot, Right? Because, come on, you have the white hat, the black hat, good, bad. Oh, come on. Right? <laughs> I don't know, man. That spoke to my heart right then. Oh, man. Die hard. But anyway. There's going to be carnage. All throughout Scripture, man, there's carnage. There's blood. Sometimes there's violence. Cutting the head off your problem or your addiction makes the fight real. You know what? What's interesting here is this account. It said that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. I wonder if that's significant. To me, it says you ain't standing before God. Because one of these days, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we're not going to be looking up into his face. We're going to be looking down on the ground. We're going to be doing a Rambi. I'm not looking at you. I'm not looking at you. I'm not looking. As long as I don't look at you, I don't recognize you. You're not there. Come on, man. A three-year-old granddaughter. We'll play hide and seek. She's the worst. <laughs> I finally finished counting to 10 like 12 times. And she's 
I'm ready or not, here I come. And she's sitting under a blanket on the couch with her feet hanging out. Ooh, I can't see her, you know? Or she'll hold her hands over her eyes like, if I can't see you, you can't see me. And yet you and I do the same thing with God and our problems all the time. Oh, I just, oh, you can't see me. You, you can't see me. A body cannot survive without the head. And the problem is, is sometimes we get, we get so full of God and we, we, we take the head off of it and then all of a sudden we start thinking, man, what have I done? And we try to sew the head back on and revive it. Why do we do that? Well, I'm not going to look at that again. And yet we don't delete it off our phone. How many knows if you don't delete it, you're going to look at it again? Well, I don't want to watch that program. How many of you know if it's, if it's on your favorites, you're going to look at it again. You're going to read that again. You're going to look at it again. You're going to listen to that again. Because our human nature says we will. Come on. There's nothing good in us. The only good that I have is him in me. It's not me and him. Because I, I want to do what's good for Rick. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't complain about Susan not talking. It's inconvenient. Here's the last one. That doesn't mean I'm through, by the way. I love what David said. Sometimes you and I think it's all on us. And that's why we worry about everything. That's why, that's why we have to, look, man, I'm all for you coming and let's pray again and let's keep praying until we get a word. That's biblical. But some of us keep coming back because we're carrying the worry with us. Man, we bring a backpack full of stuff, of worries and, and things we, you can't control anyway. We'll bring them down here and be all spiritual. And some of us will even pour some of them out. Most of us just leave them in the backpack because it makes it easier to pick back up and walk off with it. Okay, some of us will pour them out when nobody's looking. We'll kind of kick them over into the chair and then go sit down for a minute so we can put it back in because we want to carry it home. We've become too familiar with our baggage. We have to remember David said that the battle is not his. The battle is God's. The battle is God's. Again, if you can do it yourself and you don't need him, then it's not much of a battle. And Susan's laying in a coma here at UT. I had a friend come to me and says, so what are you going to do if she dies? I, I guess continue to live. I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, we're not there yet. I said, and hopefully we won't be. What are you going to do about the bills? I bet it's going to be a lot of money. I said, why did God bring an idiot here today? Why today? Pastoral idiot. So why, why would you even think? Why would you bring that to me? And the Holy Spirit just says, man, this is so big than you. You might well just smile about it because you can't do anything about it anyway. I see your bank account. I know your attitude. I know what you got and what you don't have. And I just begin to smile. And he goes, how are you smiling? I said, because it's so much bigger than me. It's got to be God. If we walk out of this, in whatever way we walk out, it's got to be God. It's got to be. I just got to trust him. I don't have anything else because you're no help. So unless you got some money or a better attitude. He never visited me again. Matter of fact, I don't think he's ever called me again. And I'm okay with that. Here's the reality. It's, it's God's battle. If we don't trust God enough to deal with some of the th small things in our lives, how in the world are you going to trust him with the big things? And I'm going to tell you, it's easier to trust him with the big things because there's absolutely nothing I can do but just keep signing papers. Yeah, drill a hole in her head. Yeah, shave her head. Yeah, do whatever you need to do. I mean, what do you want me to do? Because it had to be God. It had to be God that raised her up. It had to be God that put life back into her. It had to be God that brought us to where we are today. Are we finished like I want to be finished? No. No. But am I going to have to be okay with it? Yeah, because God still has plenty of opportunity to make it right. Hello? I mean, in my eyes, 
I mean, that's my right. I don't know what you're right. If you're all right living where you're at and how you're living, that's fine. I'm not. So I'm going to have to trust him to do more. But I'm going to have to allow him to do that more. See, David could have just bragged about it the whole time and just kept saying, you know, the battle is yours. Boy, I'm going to take your head off. I'm going to cut your head off, you you big ugly guy, you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And then never done anything. He could have stayed on top of the mountain. He could have just screamed at him from here. He could have just screamed at him from the mountaintop. See, we're good at talking the talk, but are you walking it? David showed that he had it not only in here, but he had it here that he ran to it. Isn't it interesting that the armor bearer was in front of Goliath? Now, I know Goliath's really tall, and the armor bearer probably wasn't as tall, but the rock had to go over his head. Anybody? That's football, man. It's easy to throw a football for me to from me to Ed here, but to have to throw it over, you know, somebody else's head over there back to Rincom and get it past all of them, man, that takes some ability. That takes a lot of passing. Battle's not mine. It's God's. I got a cold. I got snot. The battle's not mine. That's in my body. Body, you, you, you'd be like what Jesus said it should be. You get right. We went sinus season in Tennessee. I don't care. Stop it. Stop running. Be healed in Jesus' name. What would happen if all of a sudden everybody in an Emmanuel Assembly of God was well all the time and there was no sickness in the house and people started seeing that? Why aren't they sick at that church? Because we're walking in, in health. I wonder if people would start coming and saying, well, I want that health. Well, his name is Jesus. And then all of a sudden, you know, because I don't care whether you're sick or not. I don't care whether you have hair or don't have hair. The, the deal is, is that you got Jesus. And then when you have Jesus, you got everything else. You got everything you'll ever need. David was confident of what God would do. Look at verse 37. The Lord, will, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Prophetically speaking that, right? Look at verse 45 through 47. Again, he said, you come to me, uh, come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. Look at all this armament that you come. He goes, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who you defied. He doesn't know who David is, and David doesn't care that he knows who he is. David said, I'm going to be the weapon that God uses to take your, take, cut your tongue out of your face. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Isn't that interesting that he didn't just go after his problem? He went after every problem behind it. <laughs> he didn't stop at Goliath. You know, Goliath had brothers. Somebody asked why I need to pick up five stones. I don't like you about you, but I like having extra mags in my pocket. Come on, man. This six-shooter stuff, that gun has six bullets, and that guy shot 30 people. That's Hollywood. That ain't real life. Everybody, everybody gets that right. Unless they're all lined up, and I don't know that bullet, I guess, could go through that many. I don't know. Yeah, whatever movie you watch. But anyway, you are not alone. The battle is the Lord's. You're teamed up with someone who has never lost a battle. I don't know about you, man, <laughs> but, but that's, right? I want to be teamed up with somebody who's been there, the experience. It's watching the Georgia game. I don't care whether you like football or not. I'm going to talk about it. Georgia playing, and an unranked team was beating the socks off of them, manhandling the number one team in the land, not just SEC, but in the top ranked, number one team, and an unranked team, Missouri, Woohoo! Yeah, Mizzou, Mizzou. I don't know what that. But anyway, I mean, they were beating them. They were manhandling them, and I kept telling Susan, "It's going to turn around." Why? Because Georgia has the experience. Georgia has the scars. Georgia, Georgia has uh, Bennett four. 
I mean, he's the fourth Bennett. Come on, that's got to be something. And you watch the end of the game, and it was disheartening because I was I was pulling for Missouri because an unranked nobody David team playing Goliath. Yeah, the the big ones need to fall and know that they're they've got chinks in their armor, right? But experience, knowledge, pull them out. They begin to play like a number one team again. And they begin to get back to doing what they had got them to be number one in the first place. And Bennett began to pick them apart. Boom. And then they go down, and then they go down. And then they hadn't been able to run the whole game until the end of the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, these guys are running 15, 20 yards. And they hadn't been able to do it the whole game. What did it? Because they knew what they were capable of doing. Why? Because they've been doing it. That's why they're number one. You know why you're going to survive today? It's because you've already experienced Jesus help you survive yesterday and day before. That he survived through sicknesses and illnesses. He's helped you survive the line of Walmart. He's helped you survive the, the disagreements in your marriage. He's helped you survive your children when they're not acting right. He's helped you survive your parents when they don't act right. It's all the same. The battle is the Lord's. Now, all my life, I've heard that the account of David and Goliath is used as a metaphor for the giants of the troubles in our lives. How David, through his faith in God, overcame him. And since we trust the same God, then you and I can overcome as well. Is he the same God? This God of the Old Testament? Look at one more scripture today in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to close with this. Chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I like the way the NLT says it. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. I don't know about you, but I used to all the time. How many of you are having situations in your life you just need God to show up? And we always had hands, hands that would just go up. Okay, see hands now. Yeah, it was automatically go up. Do that for two reasons. Number one, we need to confess that we're not perfect. We need to, it's all right that we're that everything's not okay. Okay. Number two, it's good to see other hands and know that no, nobody else is okay either. You're, you're not in the boat by yourself. That other people have issues as well. We're not alone. The God who saved you can rescue you today from whatever the enemy is doing. Temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And then it says, this definitive thing, and God is faithful. Period. It's a period. It's just, it's a comment. It stands alone. And God is faithful. Even when we're not faithful, God is faithful. Say faithful. Faithful. Say it again. Faithful. Say it one more time. Faithful. I lied. Say it one more time. Faithful. Yeah, God is faithful. What does that mean? Even when you're not. Even when you're, you're in your mind, your, your face is going like this, but in your mind, there's a lot of hate running around in there. I laughed at my kids. They took a picture the other day, and they all got masks on. So, of course, I put on there, I hope you're smiling, you know. Because you can't, all you see is this. Somebody in Walmart the other day, sassy old man, had, had one of those grins, like uh, the Joker kind of grin on his, he had a mask on. His eyes said, I want to bite your face off. But he has this big old smile in that, in that mask, you know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking, I almost said it. Thank God Susan didn't see it because she would have said something to him. You know, your eyes need to match your mouth. I mean, your, your mask. You know what I'm saying? Right? The great thing about God is he knows what's in your heart, you deceitful little boogerhead. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what, what, you're, what you're, you're feeling, and he still loves you. He still loves you, and he still has hope for you. He still has a, a plan for you. God 
is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure it. He's not showing us a way out. So we like to preach it like he's going to give you a back door. No, no, no. You, you got to make it through it. Do you know why these little high school colleges like the University of Memphis play like colleges like Tennessee and Alabama? Because they get millions of dollars. <laughs> and the coach going, okay, let's just try not to be killed out there. Just, you know, come back in one piece, all right? No, they've got something to prove. How do you learn how to be a number one team? Anybody? Yeah, you play number one teams. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah, you you got to play somebody. Yeah, I always thought I was good in tennis. When I was younger, I, I'm pretty semi-athletic. I'm just short, but I'm pretty athletic. And a uh, pretty good tennis player until I had a, a 16-year-old boy in my youth group who was like number 20 in the state. He goes, man, we need to go play. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I could be better. Now I've got one of those Prince rackets. That's really like oversized. So you really can't miss the ball. And no lie, man, he'd serve. And I go, man, just take it easy on an old man. You know, I'm in my mid-30s at that time. I said, you know, just, you know, take it easy, man. You know, I got kids at home. And And I hear this, boom, ping. What the, boom, ping. I'd hear the pump with him hitting and the peep was hitting the fence behind me. Boom, ping. I never even saw it to get my racket on it. Right? The problems you and I have, man, you're not the only one out there going through what you're going through. He says a way out to endure it. No, a way to learn it. You know, I got better by playing him, by him toning, turning his way down, okay? I got better. So when I played some of my older friends, right, I was better. They go, dude, what are you doing? I said, I'm playing number 25 in the state. And they go, wow, man, you've gotten good. Yeah, you know, I play number 25. We're friends. I got better. Why? Because he forced me to be better. Because all of a sudden, my pride kind of gets, gets involved in there, you know, and I got to hit a few. Broke my racket, but that's another story too. So that you can learn that you can survive. It shows us that we can do more than we think we can. God wants you to break old habits. The problem is, is we break old habits, but we don't replace them with new good ones. Look, your bucket, your bucket's only got so much room and it's always got to have something in it. And the problem is, is we, we take stuff out, but then we don't fill it back up in. You know the story about, about the demon that got in and they cleared the demon out and they didn't put anything in and the demon came back and made it, made it worse because he brought his friends. said, yeah, this house is clean now. Let's get it dirty again. The reality is, is when you, you, you replace that bad habit, you want to replace it with another habit, a better one, hopefully. Because God is trying to take us somewhere. And if, he, if he's preparing us, if, if, you, if you're not willing to face a lion or a bear, then you're not ever going to be able to face your Goliath. But I'm here to tell you, your Goliath is going to come. Whether you're ready or not, he is going to come. So choose today whether you're going to be ready for him. Our Goliath came 20 years ago. When we said, God, whatever it takes, we were our third year. I've already shared this with you, but I'm doing it again because it's worth it. We were in our third year at the church. Nothing was happening. I felt like we should have been at least 300 by then <laughs> in a town of only 7,000. Anyway, I just, we should be, it should be bigger. It should be more vibrant. It should be something happening. And God, one day in our prayer time said, are you willing to do whatever it takes? So it's our fault because we challenged God. We told him, God, whatever it takes. He goes, are you serious? God, whatever it takes. Now, I don't believe God caused the accident, but I believe God allowed it and he used it to his glory because we became known in that community like nothing else we could have ever done. I could have stood on top of the roof and thrown money and not be known, any more known in that community than from that accident. Now, I would not advise that this is the way you want to be known. Okay, plenty of other great ways. 
But God said, are you willing to face your Goliath? We said, God, whatever it takes. As long as you were with us, I wish I could tell you, we've always done it well. But there have been many a times we haven't. But yet, God is faithful. <laughs> he goes, you know what, Rick? I'm just giving up on you, you little sucker. You just, you just don't get it. No. What did he say? He said, all right, get up. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Why? He goes, you know what he said? Because I know that you can do it. Because I know that you can do it. And then I have to go back to what David said at the beginning. It's for his glory and not mine. God, if you can get glory out of this, let's do it. But if you're not going to get glory out of it, let's move on. Let's do something else. I wanted to show a video today, but I couldn't get it up. Oh, men and technology. Facing the Giants. It's the football Christian one. If you've never seen it, it's, it's a good watch. And um, uh, at one point, you've got this little team. That's the whole story, the football team, and they're playing the number one team, and all these guys are, like, massive. They're huge. I mean, the smallest guys, like, 325, 12 foot tall. I mean, they're just huge guys, and here's this little podunk high school, and they're playing in the national champion or national state tournament or whatever. And so the coach is trying to talk them up, and they do the death crawl, okay? I would show you the death crawl, but it'd kill me. So let me get a couple of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every guy just went. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, come on, Dave. Diamond Dave. Yeah. He just walked out the door. He just he just literally, well, see you, Dave. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the, the, the guy who was the leader on the team got down on his hands and his knees. And then he puts another kid on his back. He lays on his back. And, and then... He gets on his hands, in, in his hands like that. If just imagine with me, because I'm not getting down, because I won't be able to get back up. And he gets down, and then he has to 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 uh, crawl without his knees touching the ground as far as he can with this hundred and something pound kid on his back. But yeah, that came later. That was so funny too, comedy relief, because the coach kept saying he was 150 pounds, and the kid goes, "Uh, coach, I'm 165." Yeah. But he kept telling the guy, the kid, he said, you can do it, you can do it. And the kid's going, man, you know, I, I, in his mind, come on, man, all of us. Yeah, I can probably do five or ten yards. And so the coach blindfolds him and said, just do what you can do. So he puts the kid on his back and he starts walking. I'm really messing it up. If I could have done it, I apologize because the, the clip brings tears to your eyes. But what I want you to get today was that the coach kept screaming at him, you can do it, just give me one more, just give me a little more, just give me a little more, just come on, a little bit more. And this kid's blindfolded and he's crawling. And, and all of a sudden, you see the team get up on their feet and they're just watching him in dismay. And if you see the movie, it, go look up Death Crawl Facing the Giants today on Face on, on, uh, you, you, FaceTube. No, YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> come on, I'm not that old. Yeah, yeah, FaceTime. Yeah. Uh, and uh, go look it up. And he and he's just crawling. He's going, I can't do it. And he said, yeah, you can do one more. You can do one more. And he just, and he kid's just crawling. Finally, all of a sudden, he just, I can't do it anymore. And he just, he, the kid just falls on his face. And he said, take, your, take the blindfold off. And he said, you just went 100 yards. He literally went the length of the football field. Wow. See, too many times we're, we're looking here and we're not looking there. You know, we need to blindfold ourselves from the world and what everything the world is telling us. And, and we, need to, we need to see through his eyes because you and I can do more than we really thought we could. There's no way this kid, and that's what was so funny, he kept going, you went the full length of the football field with a 150-pound kid on your back. And he goes, Coach, I'm 165. Isn't it a teenager that ruins the moment? You and I can do more than what we're doing. Well, I'm not physically, I got some physical stuff wrong with me and I just can't do what I used to could do. But can you, if you're still able to get up, you can still do something. We had a missionary lady that was in the hospital on her deathbed, but she still prayed all the time. I said, what are you doing? She said, the only thing I have left. She said, I, I eat and I pray. I came back a week later and she said, I can't eat anymore, but I'm still praying. She said, as long as I have breath, she said, I'll pray until one day 
my breath, last breath here is my first breath there. A week later. You can do more than you than you thought you could. But you got to be willing to do something that you haven't been doing lately. Or that you've never done before. Like come to a small groups. <laughs> Commercial. It's going to be worth it. In fact, what if you were the one with the tidbit of information that we're looking for that would answer and open up the world and yet you're not here? That's good stuff. What if you're not here the Sunday that pastor says, if you need prayer, come and lay hands. And the Spirit of God says, I want you to go lay hands on Susan. This is the day she's going to talk. But you slept in Sunday and you didn't come. Could be. What if you're the one that God wants to use for the next miracle wherever? And yet you weren't attentive or you were too busy doing life. I'm saying you and I could do more if we just open ourselves up to him. We all have problems. We all have situations. We all have issues. Glory of God first. You got to face your giant head on. You got to face your issues. If you can't do it alone, find somebody you trust. Once you get to that place and once they're down, don't kick them while they're down. Cut his stinking head off and he can't come back. I promise you, nobody with their head has ever come back. Nobody, do you know why it was important for David to cut the head off? Because as far as the enemy knew, he was just, he, he just tripped. But when David held up his head with the blood and the tendons hanging down, come on, that's graphic. That's real. That's real. Uh, they ran. The enemy ran. You know what's interesting? If you keep reading, after it was all over with, Saul called him in. Guess what David was carrying with him? All of the loot, okay, the sword and the shield and everything he could carry from Goliath, but he still had his head. Isn't that nasty? Why in the world? I want you to know this guy is never going to bother us again. Now, he's got brothers, okay? <laughs> Come on. Just because one thing in your life got taken care of don't mean there's a whole host of others, okay? We always clean. Isn't it interesting? We clean the room except that one corner. And that's where all the dust bunnies live. He carried the head, cut its head off. And then here's the last one. Remember, the battle is the Lord's. But you and I get to participate in it. David had to run to the battle. David had to have a rock. David had to have the sling in the rock. David had to sling the rock. David had to go down and unsheath the sword. David had to take the sword. Do you know how heavy that thing had to be? It's a scrawny teenager, man. No offense. <laughs> what? Does that blow up? What? And take his head off. David had to. Why do you think you don't have to? Why do we think that we, we just get to do our little thing and just live our life? We have to pray. We have to read. We have to study. We have to wait on him. We have to seek him. We have to get out of our comfort zone. And as the spirit speaks, we become so used to that voice that when he speaks, we automatically obey. Why? Because we're faithful? No, because he's faithful. And he's speaking into us. I believe God's talking all the time. But we're just not tuned. That's our challenge today. That's my challenge to you. Ask the band to come back up. We'll sing one song, one opportunity here. The scripture in Corinthians is not, God's not going to give you more than you can bear just so that you know that you, you'll be able to handle whatever. It's so that you can learn to trust him, to know that, that he's got you, that he is with you. Come on, man. If we really knew each other's story, some of us would just be awed about what God has done and what God is doing in our lives. Can I ask you a question today? Could we do better? 
I mean, I mean, don't don't raise your hand and don't nod your head and please don't poke the person next to you. But the honest truth is, could we do better? Well, I don't have time. You know, I've got more time today being retired than I've ever had in my life. But I'm, I've, I've, everybody tells me I'm the busiest person they've ever met. And I'm looking the other day and I'm convicted that I'm not reading the word more. I got more time to read the Bible and to pray today than I've ever had in my life. It's like I've got 36 hours now to my life. All this time, I haven't played golf in a year, so it ain't my golf, so you you people that are trying to judge me. The reality is we, we've got the time to do what's important for, to us. Why do, why do we teach our kids about things that are important but are never more important than where they're going to spend eternity? They know more about the latest video game or the latest thing, the latest fad or fashion, and they don't know who God is. They, they don't know the stories anymore. It's because we're not teaching them. And yet, all that stuff's going to fade away except a relationship with Christ. And we know that. Could I do better? Could I do better today? That's my challenge to you today. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Father, we need you today. We need you because things are happening in life. Some of us, God, our life's going good, but God, we need you because you are the author of our life. You're the author of whatever's going on in our life. God, we need you. We need your guidance. We need to be prepared for that Goliath that we're about to face. Father, we're facing a Goliath now and we're terrified and we're just hiding on the hill. But God, I'm tired of hiding and I need your strength to get off the mountain and run to the battle and I can't do it without you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder today if be honest with yourself, with God. And you just, Pastor Rick, that's, um, I'm going through stuff that he sure feels like a Goliath. May not be a big deal to whoever else in my life, but it feels like a Goliath to me. I'm facing a Goliath today. If that's you, can I see your hand? Are you facing a Goliath? Okay, I got one. Anybody else facing a Goliath? Okay. Anybody in the house feel like they could do better? Can I see your hand? It should be 100%. Should it not? Come on, man. Come on. Because it, it starts up here. Pastor knows he could do better. I know I can do better. Rimkin knows we could do better. Father, give us a heart to not just do better, but give us a heart to just be fired up for you. God, to hunger for you more and to thirst after you more and to know what that means, God, to say that. We have one song, one opportunity. I want to open up the altars. I just want to challenge you. If you just, you know you can do better and you just want more of God, can we just come to the altar and just spend some personal time? You can stand or you can kneel, uh, you can sit. But I want to challenge you to move out of your seat this morning and let's just come to the altar and just seek him like you want to.